Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Alexa. And we're back with another edition of Checked Out. This week, we're reading Inside of a Dog by Alexandra Horowitz. And it's a bit of a departure from the last couple of books we've read. This is actually nonfiction. Um, and Alexandra Horowitz is one of my favorite, uh, I guess what you'd call science writers, because she writes primarily about dogs. Mm-hmm. This was the first time that I had actually read uh, anything by Alexandra Horwitz. Um, I really enjoyed it. I guess we should say at the outset, um, there are actually two editions of this book. Um, There is a juvenile copy, um, and there is an adult version of the book um, with just slightly edited um, content, I guess. Um, The library does have both copies, um, so whichever version you would prefer to read, um, we can get you you hooked up. Yeah, the the cool thing is the the adult version, Mm -hmm. uh, she, she writes... She has really nice prose, uh, and she writes very well, and it makes it kind of feel like you're not so much reading a heavy book with lots of facts thrown at you, but reading like a really nice kind of examination of the dog. Uh, and so for the juvenile book, she just kind of cuts out some of the, the hard science stuff, to, and I think um, maybe tones down the prose just a little bit, but still lots of great stuff for, um, you know, like upper elementary to middle school age kids who love dogs, this would be a great book for them to read. Right, it really is. And and one thing that she does in both editions, um, she inserts a lot of personal stories about her own dogs. Yeah. um, Which I think anybody would enjoy. Totally. Um, If you're a dog person, uh, she's she's got some great works out there for you. We've actually got some really fun things in store for this book. Uh, Alexa and I got to take a field trip out to the Humane Society and interview Ashley Markham, their special events coordinator. And Ashley is going to give us a lot of background info on the Lexington Humane Society, kind of give us a little play-by-play of what all the work that they do. And I was just amazed. I don't know about you, but I was just amazed to hear about all of the really cool things that they did. And even as somebody who you know has dogs and has always had dogs and has gotten dogs from the Humane Society before, I had no idea they did all of that stuff. Right. And I mean, there was the added bonus of getting to go out to the facilities and see all of the cute animals that they have there. Absolutely. Um, we got to meet their very adorable little, I guess you would call them ambassadors to Ambassador the Humane dogs, Society. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, Winston. And Newman. Newman. They're so cute. And we got to see meet a squirrel. Yeah. Um, we just narrowly missed some of the pigs that they had up for adoption. I know. I was really bummed about that. Um, but, I mean, the Humane Society in Lexington just does such great work. Yeah. And if you're a listening person to the Humane Society who names the animals, good job. Those you, pigs had yeah. some amazing names. You Conway, Conway Piggy. <laughs> and uh, they were just, they made me happy. Yes. Um, and then on July 15th at the Eastside Branch, we're going to have, uh, we're calling it the dog days uh, of summer. But you can come out. The Humane Society will be there with dogs. We're going to have a drop-in craft in the makerspace. Come, drop in, and make your own dog treats. Um, and there'll even be a special story time in the children's department. Um, if you've got kids, bring them, and Miss um, Allison will read them a story all about dogs. So we're really looking forward to that as well. Yes. Do you want to jump into the book? Absolutely. So one of the cool things um, that she does is she jumps in and talks about sort of the history of dogs and how they were domesticated and how they're sort of like wolves but not like wolves. And one of the things that she talks about that I just found really fascinating was this experiment they did in uh, Siberia with, like, white foxes. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically domesticated them and within a couple of generations kind of created dogs. Yeah, Um so she talks a lot about a bunch of different ex- kind of experiments throughout history that have happened with dogs over the years, like some that she's done herself just kind of casually. And then there was this one with the foxes. Um, 
which is just amazing. Like, you you know that dogs, domesticated dogs, came from wolves, and you understand kind of the evolutionary process that led to dogs. And we found these traits that we liked, and we kind of selectively bred the wolves to get dogs. You just don't, or I didn't realize just how quickly that can happen. Um, I mean, it was literally a matter of holding out food if a fox would take the food from you. That's the fox that you breed. Yeah, it's just a matter of, of the fox not of being their, a breed. Of their puppies, you take the ones again that are friendliest, and then you breed those, and then within a couple generations, you've got basically tiny white furry puppies. It's amazing, and you can do the opposite, and you can breed that out of them within a couple generations, which is just really fascinating. To yeah, me. absolutely. And then she also talked about some of the differences between wolves and dogs. Wolves do not read our eyes. Dogs do. Mm -hmm. And that was really fascinating to me. Not just our eyes, our body language. Dogs sort of survived and domesticated by really learning to to read humans. And they can read us better than we can read them, which I found really fascinating. Right. Uh that's I didn't realize that wolves wolves don't meet eyes. Yeah. Like wolves will not look at somebody directly in their eyes. So it's, that's that's a sign of aggression for a wolf. Um, but for dogs, like they they basically had to learn to do mm-hmm. that to survive with humans. Um, I was mentioning before I have a an adopted dog named Lucy who is half rat terrier, half miniature Schnauzer. She's very obnoxious and she's she weighs eight pounds and she thinks she's gigantic um, and really scary. Um, will and anytime I take her outside won't meet my eyes for anything. <laughs> She's, because I, I honestly, after reading this book, I think it's because, like Jenny was saying before, um, she is from two breeds of dogs that were bred to do very specific and isolated tasks, catch rats. It's like, she doesn't need me for that. Why would she look at me and figure out what I want when she's outside and following smells? Um, it's, that, was, that was really what I enjoyed most about this book, was just reading anything and then looking at Lucy immediately. And just oh, yeah. Trying to apply it to my dog. Yeah, it's totally fascinating. <laughs> and um, how when, when dogs greet us when we get home mm-hmm. and they're really excited to see us and they lick us and we think, oh, they're giving kisses. Yes, and that it's a greeting. It is a, it is a thing wolves do. They lick one another upon return to, be, to greet them. But they also do it because they want to know what that wolf has eaten mm-hmm. and if they can get it to regurgitate some food for them. So when your dog licks you, they're happy to see you, but they're also hoping that you have um, a meal that you can like regurgitate for them. So right. yeah, that not, was... gonna, not gonna happen, pups. I got I got news for you. That was one of my favorite parts of the book. She's like, "Don't be grossed out." But, but wolf puppies, when they lick you on the face, they do it to their mothers because they want food. Yeah, <laughs> like, essentially, that's, that's what your dog wants. Essentially, bottom line. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. It's just so much stuff that I've never really... I've owned dogs my entire life. My mother is big into rescues. Your mom is, too. Um, so I've had a rescue dog in my home my entire life, basically. Um, and I have one now. And it's just stuff that even as a perpetual dog owner, I would never have considered. I mean, she talks about leaving treats hidden around her house every day based on, like, if she's going to be gone a really long time, she'll leave even more treats to keep her dog occupied and, like, give her a job to do while she's gone. And it's just like... I love my dog, but that thought never even crossed my mind that <laughs> she would like need like need puzzles to solve while I was out of the house. Yeah, we have two dogs, and um, one of them is a senior a senior citizen, a senior beagle mix <laughs> who could care less. I could leave treats all over the house, and she would other than being hungry and wanting to find them to eat them because she's very food motivated. She would prefer really just to sleep. She's pretty pretty lazy. But then we we have um we have a pit bull mix who's just about a year and he has all the energy in the world and he does have to be constantly 
um, challenged mentally or else he does get bored and, Mm -hmm. you know, then he, you know, goes and eats something he shouldn't and we're going, you know, how did, why am I missing one shoe? Oh, Campbell ate it, you know, that sort of thing. So you have to make sure you have appropriate, you know, chews and stuff out for him when you leave the house, stuff a lot of Kongs, those Kongs are great. Um, to keep a dog inter- engaged. And and I didn't realize, too, that when you do stuff like that, when you stuff food in a toy like that and they have to work to get it out, it it's exercise for them mentally, and that sometimes can wear them out just as much as physical exercise can. Mm-hmm. We've tried – we tried a couple of those toys. We, we had a BarkBox for a while, which is a subscription service that you can get that gives you different kind of treats and toys and things for your dogs each month. Um, we got it for Christmas, and it had one of those kind of puzzle things where it's like you hide a treat in it and mm-hmm. see if your dog – Lucy is just so unmotivated by food – and it's just like she has no interest whatsoever in solving any sort of puzzle. She doesn't like food enough to care, yeah. really. Uh, it's it's just so interesting to me. Um, I've never known a dog who's as just uninterested in food as my dog is. That's how my dachshund mix was. Yeah. Um, she was very motivated by, like, chasing small furry things in the yard. But that was about it. But that makes sense, you know, for her breed. Yeah. Dachshunds were meant to, to chase badgers and, mm-hmm. and flush out stuff. And so that's what she, you know, wanted to do was, was go out in the yard and chase squirrels. Yeah. My dog's motivated by potato peelings. <laughs> I don't know why. She loves them. I Googled it. It's safe. Oh, uh, as long there as you she, go. As long as you don't give her the eyes. But anytime I pull out the potato peeler, she knows the exact sound of a potato peeler. And she will come running from whichever spot she is at in the house. And she will just sit by me, sit by my feet until I give her potato peels for her to That's chew so on. so funny. And it's that, weird. And, and she talks a little bit. You know, Alexander <laughs> Horowitz talks about a little bit about that. You know, stuff like that in the book about how dogs learn and what they... What they, how they learn by association. Mm-hmm. And it is fascinating to me. I mean, her whole part of the book is what she calls dogs. I want to call it unwell, but I don't think that's the correct pronunciation. But kind of what it's like to be a dog. How, what they see and smell and hear. And they smell so well. They, have an, they, they sort of see the world through their nose. And how that affects um, what they do and how they learn. Um, and she did talk a lot about how um, positive reinforcement is really the most effective type of dog training. And anytime you you yell at a dog or fuss at a dog, it just doesn't really seem to work. Right. That was another of the experiments that she mentioned in the book was um, she did this one herself. And so basically she found dog owners and they would leave out a piece of food and reach for the dog. And then they would leave the room and say, don't eat the treat. And then they would leave the room. If the dog ate the treat or didn't eat the treat, whenever the owner came back, she would either tell the owner what they did exactly, and the owner would punish or praise them accordingly. Or she would lie and say that, oh, your dog ate the treat when really it didn't, or vice versa, um, just to see the dog's reactions. And so it didn't matter whether the dog was guilty or not. If they were punished, they reacted in the exact same way. They did that kind of quintessential guilty dog expression that you always see in videos on the internet, which is kind of like bowed head, and they wag kind of nervously. And it's it's not that the dog knows that they did something wrong necessarily. It's because they're reacting to you being displeased with yeah. them. Um, the dog knows when you're upset with them, not that they've done something wrong. Yeah. It's kind of like if you come home and find that your dog has destroyed the house or peed in the floor, you know, yelling at your dog is not really going to do anything because it could be hours since they've done it. Exactly. And they don't understand. All they know is you're mad, but they don't know why. So exactly. That's the, the best the best way to train your dog is to keep them from getting into trouble and then, you know, kind of correct, put put them in a, in a situation to, to not to not act up, basically. Yeah, I I mean, and I think that that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize when they get a dog is just the sheer time that it takes to train a dog correctly. It takes a lot of work. Um, Because, I mean, a lot of training is just being with your dog. Absolutely. And rewarding them when they're doing what you want them to do. Absolutely. 
Um, it's just so much, that's one of those things where it's like, I grew up with just untrained dogs, like <laughs> let the dogs do whatever they want and that's fine. Um, and we lived out in the country and it's no big deal. Um, but whenever you live in a house and you're by yourself and you've got the one dog and you have to take them on walks, you want them to be like moderately yeah. trained. Like you want your dog to behave and not embarrass you in front of the neighborhood, um, which Lucy still does regularly. Um, <laughs> we, we try our best, but she's very willful. Um, I, but I mean, it's just you have to just be there constantly. Yeah. To to reinforce the good behavior, it's not just saying no, don't do that because your dog doesn't get it. They, no. They, they don't understand. No, and it's kind of funny because we had two seniors um, for a very long time. Both um, one is now almost twelve, and the other one was seventeen or eighteen. Both both rescues, so we're not sure of exact age. But the 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 oldest passed away this year, and we got um, a young dog to replace her. We got um, a, about a about a year old. Campbell's about a year old, and has clearly never been through any kind of training before. And he's really good, and he's really eager to please. But it is it's constant reinforcing the good and redirecting him when he starts to get into something he shouldn't and yeah it is it is exhausting sometimes yeah. I'm not sure which is more work the puppy or the toddler <laughs> well at least they get along they do they do that's true that's true it's and and both dogs of course are good with the kids and, and we never leave them you know alone and supervised so right those are the keys there well that was one of the things that we talked about when we went to the Lexington Humane Society was the the rigorous kind of uh rules that they have for when you're adopting with a baby or a toddler yeah. in the house, um, which I wasn't aware of. Um, but, I mean, it's it's things that you don't really think about. Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. Just just things that you kind of, they want to put you in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, if you go and they, you know, you say you want a certain dog and they tell you that wouldn't be a good fit for you, don't get turned off by that. Because yeah. they really do know those dogs so well. I know when um, when our dog passed away and we went looking and we told them exactly what we wanted and we had a very long list. Um, of things we needed in a dog, and they had two candidates um, they picked out for us, and uh, one happened to be adoption pending already. So we we picked up we picked up the other guy, and he's been great. But he's great because they knew the dog, they knew him, they knew his personality, and they knew what would fit in with our family, and it's been a great match. Right. I mean, trust trust the people at the Humane Society. Basically. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And and Ashley will talk more about this program in the in the in her interview um, that we're going to get to in just a minute. But if you want a specific breed of dog, um, the Humane Society's got them, mm-hmm. and they have a whole program called First Contact, and you can say, I want a Basset Hound, and you know I want it to be a certain age, and I want it to be a certain gender, and when they get one, you will be the first person they call. Right. Um, and you know you may have to wait a little while, but but they'll get one in for you. So. Yeah. If, it, if it's worth it to you that you want that specific breed of dog, right. then it, sh- it should be worth it, I think, to, to participate in the program. Absolutely. Yeah. So the human and the, the two dogs that we met, the two canine ambassadors, um, were both purebred dogs, a purebred dachshund and a purebred Doberman, and both were Humane Society alumni. So don't think if you've got some sort. Obviously, mutts are great, and I wholeheartedly support getting a mutt. But if you think that you want a specific breed, um, don't think you can't get it at the Humane Society because you can. Exactly, and I will say as well, um, I'm a big fan of mutts. My childhood dog, who passed away a couple of years ago, she at. 18 or 19, we think. Um, she was a mutt. She was half Sheltie, half Corgi, which is maybe the cutest mix of dogs ever. <laughs> um, little Corgi body with tons and tons of fluffy Sheltie hair. Um, and, I mean, she was incredible. She was she was just so healthy, and she lived such a long yeah. and just good quality life. Um, that's one of the things uh, 
that that's touched on a little bit in this book is how great mutts are, first of all, which is very true. Um, but they're just healthy. They're just yeah. a lot healthier. Um, whenever you breed um, purebred dogs, I mean, they kind of the traits get more and more concentrated. Yeah. And you'll see that a lot in, like, snub-nosed dogs, like pugs or bulldogs, yeah. where they have breathing troubles or dachshunds can have back problems. Absolutely. Because you breed for those specific traits that you want the dog to have. And so over time, they get so exacerbated that the dog kind of, they can get unhealthy. Absolutely. Um, and we've gone from a society where we bred dogs to do certain jobs to a society where a lot of times we're breeding dogs to fit a standard that's based on looks. And so sometimes, you know, if breeders, if, if you kind of go to an unscrupulous breeder, um, you can end up with a dog that, that's been bred to look like what you think of when you think of a dachshund but maybe has some health problems that it wouldn't have had if, if they were breeding it, you know, to be a, a working dog. Exactly. So one of the things I thought really fascinating, you know, our, our new dog Campbell was labeled pit mix as tons of dogs at shelters across the country are labeled pit mix. Right. And <laughs> it's such a generic term because there is no real breed pit bull. There's the American Pitbull Terrier, American Staffordshire Terrier, American Bulldog, and sometimes other a few other breeds are kind of lumped into the term Pitbull. Um, but any shelters kind of use that term to describe any dog with a big blocky head. And you can have a dog that a shelter has labeled a Pitbull, and it there may not be any Pitbull in it whatsoever. It could be Shepherd and other things, and it just right. sort of lab, you know, and that's how it got its its big head. So we don't really know what Campbell is. Right. Um, he looks like a pit bull, but who knows what's in there. So He's got such pretty markings. He's gorgeous. <laughs> he's a pretty dog. I'm, I'm biased, but I think he's gorgeous. Um, so yeah, so it really, you know, breed is only part of it. You know, really you want to make sure that the dog's personality and its temperament really really fit you. I know my mom's got a, a long-haired chihuahua, and chihuahuas get a bad rap, but her chihuahua is the friendliest um, friendliest little thing in the world, and she's my my son's best buddy. So you just never can tell. You can't right. judge a dog by the breed. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's our dog kind of is quintessential tiny dog. She barks a lot and everything. But I mean, in the shelter, you would never have known that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really takes getting to because she was. I think she was a little intimidated by all of the other dogs that she was around. She's sure. not a big fan of other dogs. So she was very quiet. Um, I mean, it takes getting to know an animal, yeah. and that's why it's so good to rely on people who are in the shelters because they've spent more time with the animal than you. Just going in to meet an animal one time, you can get a feel for it and you can kind of understand. But I mean, that even happened to you a little bit with Campbell because he oh, was yeah. ill when you adopted him. Yeah, we didn't know that and the Humane Society didn't know that. Um, he was he was very calm and we thought, great, how funny. And I even at one point actually thought, I wonder, this just seems so strange that this, this very young <laughs> pit bull puppy would be so calm because normally, you know, he's about a year and normally they're still kind of puppies and they have a lot of energy and uh, we hadn't had him too long and, and he got sick with what we think was either some sort of long, took a long time, an infection took a long time to crop up, or it was some kind of bug bite that got infected. We, we're not really sure which. Um, the Humane Society was great. Uh, I called them just to get some some health records, and they said, bring him in, let's look at him. And, you know, between them and my vet, we got him on the right medicine, and, and he's great. But the combination of, of feeling better and then being out of a shelter environment, like, he is a different dog. Yeah. He, all that energy came back, and now he's... You know, my, my beagle mix is so sort of lazy and just lay around and, and, you know, not do anything and always looks a little bit depressed. And then there's Campbell. It's like having Tigger and Eeyore <laughs> in my house, basically. Um, he's probably the only dog I've ever met that I think actually misses sometimes the shelter because yeah. he misses that pack of dogs to play with. So we have to we have to go to the dog park 
quite frequently, so he can run and romp. And, what a burden, and having to go to the dog park. What a <laughs> darn. have to go and play with all oh, those puppies. I would give anything to be able to take Lucy to a dog park. I would love it so much. She's just, and that's, that's that thing where it's just like you have to spend time with a dog to figure out who they are as as an individual yeah. because I mean the shelter even though they had they only had Lucy for like a couple of days she was very small and cute and it was just like if we hadn't snatched her up whenever we did like there's there's no way she would have lasted very long in there but they thought that she was just this sweet little timid just wanting to be held all the time and it's just like in the mornings when she is in play mode don't even try and touch her <laughs> like she will not stand for it she is 100% going like as fast every single morning our routine is she wakes up goes to the bottom of the stairs our bedroom is on the second floor and we have to throw toys repeatedly down the stairs and she will run them back up the stairs and then run back down after them it's just like boundless energy and it's just like you would never have known like they, they only had her for a day or so so they didn't really understand you guys gotta get her a rat to chase right <laughs> I, I, I mean that's baby that's our cat <laughs> she, she chases baby all around the house and he puts up with her which, which is nice our other two cats who are older are not big fans of yeah. Lucy um, but she and baby are really fun they, they chase each other around our dining room table and they have a good time so and yeah some dogs love cats some dogs hate cats some dogs like other dogs some are very selective about the other dogs they enjoy and you yeah. just really, you really never know. That so. was the funniest part of adopting Lucy. Whenever we went to get her, we got her from uh, Humane Society that's closer to my my hometown in Western Kentucky. Um, but we asked them, we were just, "Is Lucy good with cats?" And they're like, "Oh, we don't really know. We haven't put her in with the cats yet." Um, and then whenever we went to to meet her and pick her up and everything. Um, they, we were just like, did you ever get a chance to see if she's good with cats? And they're like, oh, let's see. And they just took her into the cat room and they just like put her in a cage with one of the cats. And they were just like, oh, best friends. And she's like, oh, okay, well, she likes that cat, so great. Usually, there's like <laughs> one, one or two cats. I think that they'll temperament test, like a cat yeah. that's pretty, pretty laid back. They'll temperament test just to see what they do. Right. I know my mom does. Um, rescue with greyhounds and because she has small dogs a lot of times people will bring greyhounds over to see if they're small dog safe because some greyhounds have a hard time differentiating between a very small dog and a rabbit right and greyhounds <laughs> are meant to be that's what they chase the track they chase rabbits so um yeah so they're they they have to test them with small dogs to make sure the dog knows the difference right yeah it's just important to understand what your limitations are as a pet right. owner going into adopting a dog. Like, what kind of a house do you have? What kind of yard do you have? Do you have small children? Do you have other animals that the, the dog will be interacting with? I mean, there are just so many variables that go into this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we thank you guys for joining us. Um, definitely check out Inside of a Dog by Alexander Horowitz if you want to get more of the sort of the inside view of a dog and what they see, smell, think, know, basically what it's like to be a dog. Um, and check out our interview with Ashley from the Lexington Humane Society and stop by the Eastside Branch on July 15th for our Dog Days of Summer program. Thanks, guys. Thanks. We're here with Ashley Markham of the Lexington Humane Society. Ashley is the special events coordinator for the Lexington Humane Society, and we're going to talk to her a little bit today about um, dog adoption, cat adoption, all of your burning questions about adopting an animal from the Lexington Humane Society. So thank you for being with us, Ashley. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> uh, so to start off, we were hoping that maybe you could just kind of give us a rundown of what exactly the process for adopting a dog from the Humane Society is. Sure. So when you come to the Humane Society and you kind of walk through our adoption center, if you see your dog or a cat or any of our other animals, bunnies, guinea pigs, um, we have all kinds, 
that you're interested in, um, you can go talk to an adoption specialist. They'll pull the animal out for you. We do require that you spend at least half an hour outside of the kennel or cage with the animal just to make sure that they're the right fit for you and your family. Um, we also asked if you have any other pets, you know, if you have another dog at home and you're looking at adopting another dog, it's really important that you um, bring that dog with you, you know, on a, at a later date just to make sure that the two dogs get along. Um, we don't want to send any dog home and, you know, your your other friend be upset that you brought somebody new into the house. So once all of that's kind of figured out and you've decided, you know, this is the animal that I want, um, we do have a short adoption um, application that you fill out. And then once all of that is cleared, if you live in an apartment, you know, obviously we're going to call your landlord just to make sure that, you, that you're allowed to have this pet. We don't want you to go home with an animal you're not allowed to have. Um, but once all of that's cleared and you pay the adoption fee, um, then that animal is yours and you just come with a collar and a leash and they're yours to take home. <laughs> do you have any um, different restrictions for different types of animals? Like, do, do you require a fenced-in backyard for all dogs? Or you have to show up with a cage for a hamster or something like that? Uh, so for the hamsters, yes. That yeah. Is, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, we obviously want them to go home in a, a safe carrying right. um, case, like a cage. That's a good one. Um, but as far as the dogs go, we do they do go through a temperament test. Um, so, you know, for some of our bigger and louder breeds, like our hounds, sometimes they do have restrictions as far as you can't live in an apartment. Um, that sort of thing. So that would just be something that you would partner with one of our adoption specialists with, and they can let you know all of that information about that particular dog that you're looking at. Okay. Because I know whenever Jenny adopted her her dog recently from you guys, um, it was dogs who jump can't go home with babies. Right, with small children. Yeah. I have a, a two-year-old, and uh, but it was wonderful because my, my mom actually scouted for us. She came out and said, here are all of the requirements my daughter and son-in-law are looking for in a dog. And the adoption specialist was like, I got two perfect ones for you. And took my mom over, and one of those is, is my sweet Campbell, who came home with me. So Yeah, that's the great thing about our adoption specialist. They spend so much time with our animals that they really get to know them. And so when you come in and you let them know, like, hey, I'm looking for a smaller dog for my apartment, but I have small kids, you know, they can definitely steer you towards the animal that's going to be the perfect fit for you. Sure. And you guys have something really cool called, it's first contact, right? Yeah. Where someone can say, hey, I'm really interested in, or I know that this is the type of dog or the kind of dog I want, and you guys will contact them when that dog comes in. Is that correct? Yeah. So our first contact service that's uh, sponsored by Animal Care Clinic here in Lexington is we kind of call it our online dating for dogs. So you go on, you fill out the online on our website, you can fill out the application, and you tell us everything that you're looking for in a dog. So if you have a specific age range, if you have specific characteristics like, you know, I have small children, so they have to be good with kids, or you're looking for even a specific breed, um, you just kind of fill that in in the application, and then we create a profile for you. And then we have a dedicated um, employee who's our first contact coordinator, and she goes through every dog that comes in. She goes and evaluates them, and she says, you know, I have the perfect match for this dog, and she'll contact you, and you can come out, and you get first dibs and first <laughs> lookies at the at the dog to see if it's the perfect fit for you and if so then you get to take them home and if not we keep you in our system and maybe you know there's another dog or cat or any kind of animal that you're looking for that comes through and that's your perfect match yeah so it's a really cool program and we've had a lot of success with it that's really wonderful it is that's super cool and what do you th I think I know that sometimes there are a lot of myths about shelter dogs or shelter cats that they end up here because they have problems and, and you know I've had uh, rescue dogs all my life mm -hmm. and they've all been 
wonderful and sweet and certainly, you know, not surrendered or become astray through any fault of their own. But can you just tell people a little bit about some of those myths and why they're they're not true? Yeah, so it is a big myth. And I mean, there's even the myth that, you know, shelters and humane societies don't get in purebred dogs, which is another great thing about our first contact service is we draw in a lot of people who would have gone to breeders because they're looking for that specific breed of dog. And, you know, in the time that I've been here, I've seen full-bred huskies and dobermans and dachshunds and poodles and, you know, all sorts of dogs. So, you know, it really is a myth that we don't get those full-bred breeds into the humane society and then you know like you said the myth about all the animals that come in here are broken that's very very not true um a lot of times you know people are just unable to care for their animals anymore and that's how they end up here or they become lost and or their owners moved away and left them behind that sort of thing so it's definitely you know not something that they've done that ends them up here it's just you know, the circumstances of having a lot of animals in the world. And, you know, we're very lucky that we're here to be able to take care of them and find them a new home. So, yeah, it's really wonderful. Um, and one of the things I noticed, Alexa and I walked around and looked at, we had to look at the doggies of course, <laughs> and the kitties. Um, yes. One of the things I noticed you guys had was the Adopt-A-Bull program, which I thought was really neat. Um, can you tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have the Adoptable program. We also have the Trainable program. So they kind of go a little bit hand in hand. So our Trainable program is a, um, we have a staff member who runs it, and then we have volunteers that come in, and they're partnered with some of our stronger breeds of dogs that we have here. Um, and they come in and they spend at least one to two days a week with them and they teach them, you know, leash training, they do crate training, they do their basic obedience so they know how to sit and stay and lay down. Um, just, you know, all the things that when you adopt a dog, you hope that they already know right. because, you know, training a dog is half the battle once you take them home. Um, so these, these dogs... are pit bulls, right? Or pit mixes? Yes. So they're, we call them, you know, our bully breeds or, mm-hmm. you know, stronger breeds. And it is, you know, something that happens a lot that, <laughs> um, you know, people see them and they they don't show very well in their kennels because they're so big and they're just so excited. Mm-hmm. They have so much energy um, and people, you know, see that as aggression when in fact it's just, you know, they're just very happy and they want to be out and play and, you know, be with people. And so going through the trainable program really helps them, gives them that skill set that says, you know, hey, I'm really smart. I know how to do these things. And that really helps, you know, when adopters come in to look at them. So we've, in our first year, of the trainable program we adopted out 100 uh trainable dogs through that program yeah so it's been yeah it's been a huge a huge success and we're you know we're growing it every year and we're we're really loving it yeah and in my experience I have a bully breed dog um bully breed mix and a lot of people sort of shy away from them and in my experience you know my dog is a sweet sweet eager to please guy and yes lots of energy like you said but you know for the right family they're great dogs yeah and it's really it's really about you know more the dog themselves than their breed because any breed of dog can you know come out not liking anything so it's really it's more about the dog itself than you know the breed of dog that they are so that's kind of what we hope people kind of look at when they come to look at the dog that's why we have them partner with our you know adoption specialists so that they get more of the characteristics rather than you know I want my dog to look like this specific don't judge a book by its cover exactly <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely, Alexa. Yeah. laughs> 
Um, so how can people go about finding more out about adopting? Is, is your website the best option for that? Yeah, so adoptlove.net is our website. Um, on our website, we have all of our animals that are up for adoption. So when they go on our website, we have a big button that says adopt. And when you click on that, you can choose from the dogs or cats or our other small animals. So mm-hmm. our bunnies and guinea pigs and rabbits, that sort of, that sort of stuff. Um, so all of our animals are listed on there. All of them have, most of the time, have photos. Um, so you can kind of see the dog that you're looking at as well, or cat. Um, and we have, you know, their age on there. We don't put as much information on the website as we do on their cards if you were to come in and look at them. Um, but you kind of get the basic idea, you know, their breed, that sort of thing on our website. So, yeah, you can definitely check us out there. Do you guys see a lot of success? I know you keep a very active Facebook page. Whenever you feature dogs on your Facebook page, does that pretty much guarantee an adoption? Oh, yeah. we <laughs> Our Facebook fans are the greatest. We love them. Um, you know, when we post a picture of an animal, it everybody loves to see cute animals on their yes. news feed. So, you know, we try to post at least one cute animal every day. That's why we do the naming contest. That You know, we try to keep the community engaged with what we're doing because obviously, you know, they're huge supporters of us. We couldn't do what we do without them. Um, so we try to keep them as engaged as possible. And yeah, it's, it definitely helps. <laughs> it gives that dog a boost up yeah. <laughs> for sure. I, it, it works on me. I have to say, <laughs> just like, I have a dog who does not need another dog at all with her. And every time I'm just like, well, maybe, <laughs> well, maybe Lucy would like this one. Maybe just one yeah, more. <laughs> yeah. It would not, it would not fly. Not with Lucy. <laughs> If people are maybe in a situation where they either can adopt another animal right now or, um, you know, maybe they just don't feel like they're 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 ready for another animal, um, what are some other ways that can support you guys? Yeah, so we have lots of ways that the community, you know, can come out and help us. So we have our volunteer program. Um, we have volunteer orientation training every month. Uh, that's another thing that you can find on our website. So you just sign up for that once you go through the training with our volunteer coordinator. Um, you can come out and you can help us with all sorts of things. So we have, you know, five major fundraising events throughout the year that you can help with. We have smaller community events that we participate in that you can help with. Um, There's also pet partnering. So if you're wanting to get that one-on-one with the animals, but don't want to take an animal home yourself, you know, our volunteers are our greatest resource for, you know, giving our animals that extra enrichment that we just don't have the time to give them because we have so many animals to care for. So that's definitely an option. We also have, if you want animals in your home, but you don't want to keep them forever, (laughs) uh, we have a great foster care program. Spring is coming up. So we're starting to get in a lot of kittens. Um, Now is our kitten season. So soon we'll be full to bursting with (laughs) moms and babies and all sorts of fun things. And our fosters, we really depend on them to be able to, you know, get the space to take care of all of these animals. So they take the kittens for a while take care of them, feed them, give them all their needs that they, you know, need, and then they bring them back when they're ready to be spayed or neutered and put up for adoption. So Mm -hmm. foster care is also a really wonderful way that the community can kind of get involved with us. And then, of course, there's, you know, if you want to do a fundraiser for us, you know, host a community event, all that sort of stuff, there's plenty of ways to get involved. Mm -hmm. My mother's a chronic foster fail. (laughs) (laughs) She's had like four or five foster fails over the years. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, be me if I tried to do that. I'm, I'm fairly certain. Um, so what? Uh, what's one thing that you wish people knew about before they came in adopting an animal? Is there any one thing that people kind of come in thinking that, that you wish that they... Um, I guess in my experience, I wish people would take the time to really think about whether they want a pet or not. 
Um, we have, you know, with our adoption process that we have, we're really, we've had a lot of success with making sure that people are actually prepared for having an animal. Um, but it is really sad when you see, you know, an animal go home and then a month later you see it back on the adoption floor because the, you know, their owners that adopted them decided they really weren't ready for a pet. Um, so I guess the biggest thing that I wish people would think about is, is a pet the right fit for me right now? You know, obviously, obviously things happen and that, you know, we understand that if there's, you know, circumstances that come up and you can no longer care for your animal, but, you know, an animal is a, a lifelong commitment for that animal's life. Um, so it's really, you know, for me, it's really important that people think that through and decide, you know, this, I'm ready to commit to this. So, Absolutely. yeah. Anything else about the Lexington Humane Society that you want um, library listeners to know about? I don't want to say no, because I feel like there's <laughs> always something. There's got to be something that they can know about. Um, no, I mean, I think it's just important that they realize, you know, we're a nonprofit that relies solely on our community. We don't receive any funds from, you know, the government or any other um, agencies such as that. So we really, you know, our, our Lexington community is what keeps us afloat. And so without them, you know, we wouldn't be able to do all the amazing things that we do. And so um, I guess the biggest thing that I, you know, want everybody to know is that we appreciate them and all that they do. And, you know, we hope that we continue to do a good job and they continue to support us. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, you. guys. Awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, Alexa here. I just wanted to pop in and say thank you again so much for listening to this episode of the Checked Out Podcast. We really hope that you enjoyed the format this time of us discussing the book a little bit and then jumping into our interview that we did at, with the Lexington Humane Society. Um, we hope you keep sticking with us and listening and downloading our podcast. Again, it does really help us out if you listen to it um, on our website or iTunes. Give us a rating and subscribe. Um, we want to know that you're listening and that you're enjoying the podcast. Give us some feedback. We always want to hear from everyone. Um, and don't forget again about our uh, program that we're going to do this summer for Discover Summer at the library. It'll be at Eastside Branch July 15th, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope to see you guys there. Thanks.